Before we get started, a message from our friends at Keeley Companies. Keeley Companies wholeheartedly believes that if you get the right people, the results will follow. They set themselves apart with a forward-thinking culture that empowers their people and fosters loyal partnerships. They are also proud sponsors, partners, and super fans of this podcast. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. In almost 300 episodes, we have welcomed best-selling authors, sports icons, award-winning musicians and actors, astronauts, survivors, and overcomers. Each of these individuals have compelling, life-giving stories to share. And as we step into this day with the weight of divisiveness around us, negative headlines in front of us, the mounting stress of educating our kids in the midst of a global pandemic, or for many of us who are currently between jobs, the struggles of everyday life, I told my wife and kids that I was on a mission to bring someone onto the podcast that would help lighten the mood brighten the spirits, and hopefully provide some reprieve, some escape, and some hope during this time. They immediately started telling me about today's guest. They started sharing me the favorite videos they had or reenacting the skits while belly laughing sharing about this guest. So today's guest is truly a wonderful human being with an incredible talent to make people laugh. Come on, people, to make you laugh. He's got heart. He's amassed tens of millions of video views. He's launched two successful podcasts, has had sold out comedy tour before the COVID-19. He's going to return to it after COVID-19. He's funny. His message is poignant, and we can all use a little bit more of this in our lives today. I'm going to sprinkle in as we progress through this podcast today some bits and some pieces of his hilarious videos that will have links to the full videos in the show notes. So check those out afterwards. I think you're going to recognize him immediately. My wife and kids are in for a treat today, and you, my friends, my friends tuning in today, are in for a treat today. I want you to buckle up. I want you to open wide your hearts, your minds. Get ready to laugh as I bring on my newest friend, and now yours. His name is comedian Trey Kennedy. Trey, welcome to Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. You got to tell your wife hello for me, man. Appreciate the love. Uh, she's sitting close to the radio right now. I have a feeling uh, wearing yeah. her Trey Kennedy T-shirt, man. So uh, yeah. she, she's stoked about this interview. For, for those who do not know your name, believe it or not, or do not know the, the work that you're doing today, what do you do, man? For, for those who are meeting you for the first time and they say, hey, what do you do professionally? How do you respond to that? Man, that's um, that's been a hilarious question to answer over the years. I, I now say uh, comedian. I never thought I would say that, but... Uh, yeah, I basically, I've grown this following online from making comedic videos, and now that's um, unfolded into podcasting, and we're doing, you know, live comedy shows. We were, but eventually we'll again. We're, like you said, we're, we have fun merchandise, but it all kind of started with me and my phone enjoying just kind of trying to make creative, funny videos on it, and it, it kind of caught fire, and uh, 
yeah, a few years ago, it was what do you do for a living? And I was like, I, I honestly don't really know what the heck I'm doing, but <laughs> I guess I'm making a living making these videos. And now it's it's been fun and to see it unfold into what feels like more now of a comedy career I'm I'm pursuing and uh, never would have thought I'd be here. So it's cool. And for those who are like, yeah, my uncle's a comedian too. Uh, he tells jokes at Thanksgiving. Tell our listeners right now, just you know, brag a tiny bit about yourself, about whether it's the views or the downloads or how many followers you have online, just so they get a sense for sure. the impact that you're having. Thanks. I, maybe it all started on an app called Vine, which, was, which came and went. That's how I first, I in college, skyrocketed to... Uh, almost 3 million followers on that. And then it went away and I kind of thought, well, uh, I was finishing college and going to get, you know, a quote unquote job job. And I, I was kind of like the video thing. So I tried to continue it and fast forward three and a half, four years. And I have somewhere in the ballpark of 8 million followers across all social media. And we, uh, we were out on a sold out comedy tour before the pandemic hit. So, um, yeah, it's been a fun journey, man. I never would have thought I'd be doing this at all. I was a shy kid. I I was always a funny kid behind closed doors, but it's been kind of cool and liberating and feels like I'm coming into what I'm supposed to be doing by doing all of this. So So that's where you are now and we'll we'll end up there here in a little bit, but I want to I want to take us all the way back to where it began. Uh, one of my favorite communities, Edmond, Oklahoma. That's where you grew up. Would you talk a bit about growing up in Edmond? Yeah, born and raised in Edmond. Um Nice uh, suburb of Oklahoma City. It's it gets a, a funny rap for being the the kind of bougie, obnoxious. If you're from Edmond, you brag about that you're from Edmond because it's a special town, whatever. And you know, I have a bunch of family still there. And I had a great upbringing. I was lucky. Great family. Uh, great parents raised me right. And you know, the good old Oklahoma life. To church every Sunday. Uh, my dad coached my little league. My dad was always a funny guy. We, we hung out with the family a lot, and, and I was always the goofy, funny kid. Um, but like I said, behind closed doors, very shy, painfully shy. Would your classmates have known, man, this dude is hilarious? Yes. If you would gotten to know me, I think uh, some might still talk about that eats me to this day, is in seventh grade. Middle school is when I started coming out of my shell. My mom talked about that recently. She's like, until middle school, you were a sweetheart, and then something went wrong in middle school, and I was uh, constantly getting in trouble for cracking jokes and stuff, but... I remember in seventh grade, I was voted, uh, there was like, you know, they had those superlatives when you're like 13, most athletic, most, I think it's kind of cruel to do to 12 year olds, but I was a uh, runner up funniest. I remember I was like, man, I gotta, I've got to step it up next year. <laughs> yeah. So that's maybe that's fueled this whole thing. Maybe, I don't know, but uh, year by year slowly came out of my shell. If you, if you were a friend of mine, you, uh, you kind of knew me as the guy always trying to make you laugh. You, you have one sister, is that right? Yeah, one little sister. We're about a year apart. The way I read your comedy is you probably had a larger family. A lot of the insight you share, whether it's a mother-daughter relationship or family or millennial or whatever it might be, requires a little bit of context like compared to what? You got to be able to compare to those around you. So did you have a big family that you were part of in that in Edmond? It was just the four of us, but we did, yeah, a lot of family in Edmond. So we, we had a you know, really a good focus on family growing up. And we would spend a lot of time with my grandparents and my, my aunts and uncles and cousins. And I had a, you know, I have four cousins as well that we're all close with all around the same age and they're all girls. So it was me and five girls. I was around a lot. So um, I, I get a lot of comments. I make fun of like 
kind of the basic white girl lot, which is uh, in a loving way, like all my relatives and sisters and cousins. So there are people like, how does he know it? I'm like, I, I just literally sit down at dinner when we get together and take note of what they're saying because um, it's always great. I, I wish I could get a blowout like twice a week. Most guys don't even know what a blowout is, but I'm, I'm paying attention. So um, funny you say that because that definitely spurs on a lot of the ideas is kind of being around the family. And, uh, and I'm a social person too, always around people and love being around people. So Look, cry me a river. Hallelujah! You know what I've been thinking about lately, girls? If it costs you your joy, it's too expensive. I asked Mother Nature if I could pay to keep fall around, but she declined my card again. <laughs> okay, why is the ice cream line longer than any of my relationships? <laughs> but I'm down to waiting it. Let's go. Oh, my sweat and my concealer are in a fight right now. Give you one guess who's winning. Ugh. Um, do I say um a lot? <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to. It's in my favorite words. Autumn, Nordstrom. <laughs> well, I guess Cupid missed me with his arrow this year. But don't worry, Cupid. I'll be a bigger target in no time. Let's wander where the Wi-Fi is weak. Were you in drama, whether junior high, high school? Were you, were you in the plays and on the stage? No, I was definitely a great example of a kid growing up in the 90s who was like, sports, drama, and singing are for nerds and bands for ner nerds. I'm a sports guy. But behind closed doors, I was like writing funny little stories and stuff. So there was always in there, but I kind of, I guess I didn't believe in myself or was just focused on the sports. And when I got to college, I was lucky to have a, there was, there was kind of this influence of, I've made some musical friends and some theatrical friends who um, got me into that and get me out of my shell even more and, and kind of step into that more, which I'm really grateful for. Oklahoma State University, what, what was the big dream leaving your town as an 18-year-old boy? What, what was the major going to be and what were you hoping to do with your life? No clue. I, and I still stand by this. I, I know some kids figured out and I wasn't that mature, mature enough to do that. I don't still, still don't think I am. I was just like, how, I'm 18. How do I decide what I want to do? I, the biggest decision I made up to that point was like, should I get the Xbox or the PlayStation? You yeah. know, I but yeah, I went to school. I just kind of got a, was in the business school because I was like, I guess that sounds good. And um, really never knew as college went on. But during college, um, got into posting videos online and kind of unknowingly led me to where I am now. So Trey, what, what was the video that went viral? The one that really kind of made it this overnight thing, right? I went from like 20,000 to like 100,000 in a few days was, you know, was like making cleaning fun or something. So in my parents' kitchen, someone off screen would like throw me different clean items and I'd catch it while I like danced and like clean the counter. It sounds very silly now, but it struck a chord, I guess. And, and, and went really viral. And yeah, in a week's time I was getting calls and emails. Like we want to sign, have you sign this or pay this? And I was like, amazing. And, and yeah, I'm lucky I had a, a father who was like, slow down. Well, let's be smart about this. Cause I was ready to sign anything and everything. Your dad, I know he kind of guided you through those early days. 100,000 followers sounds significant until you compare it to where you are right now. Uh, did you have a goal, even at 100, that you could somehow turn this into a career? Not at all. I, I, I can honestly say maybe in just the past year or two, I feel like I've really stepped into confidence like, oh, I can, I can do this for a while. I, in college days especially, I thought this will be a fun story to tell my kids one day or something how Trey was weirdly kind of famous online for a little bit and then he went on to be an accountant or whatever the heck because Vine did go away and I was kind of like that was fun but 
I started to notice the the landscape of social media growing. Instagram now had video. Facebook was pushing video. And I was like, let me, that was kind of fun. And I don't know what in the world I want to do. Let's see if I can keep going. And I was able to kind of start going viral on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, right at the time when I was finishing college and job hunting, and I kind of had a moment of, you know what, I, I'm going to, let's see if I can make a living doing this. Because um, I was already monetizing it a little bit. So when college ended, I just moved into an apartment with my buddy. He went to his eight to five and I stayed in the apartment and made videos by myself on my iPhone. Um, strange days. Mom and dad, I'm sure were just so, so proud. Like, yeah, everyone else is getting a job right now and our boy is at home. Yeah, um, I credit because I think, I don't know, I don't know if it was that they trusted me or they just wanted to like allow me to have that chance. I talked to them recently. I was like, were you guys ever worried? They're like, I mean, you never asked us for any money, so we assumed you were fine. And I think I'd always been a frugal kid, and I think they knew I was I was going to be wise, and I wouldn't like go broke or into debt or something too much. But I, it, that when you asked what I do for a living, you three years ago, that was a strange thing to answer. When, well, I just kind of sit there and make videos. No one in the world knew what like a online comic comedian was it three years ago. That's been a funny uh, and, and kind of a cool experience to like ride the whole way of social media and this kind of a new form of comedy and you see the pandemic expediting that where now if you're a comedian you better be on youtube or or facebook because that's kind of the new the new world so i'm kind of lucky to be in the right place right time trey i read that near the end of college you applied to be a social media intern uh, and even though you had millions of followers on vine uh you did not get the job just tell that story. I'm, I'm amazed by it, actually. Thank Clearly you. Are living proof that you know how to do social media and an organization looking to grow their social media sees no value in you. That's to me, it's, it, it's stunning. Yeah, that, that was really frustrating at the time. And I think I'm someone who kind of sees adversity as a little bit of a challenge and it kind of fires me up. So I'm really glad I got turned down by all these jobs because I was job hunting while I was growing my following. And I was I kind of hit this point of, like, you know what, forget this. I'm just going to do this thing. Uh, I think that speaks to everyone kind of catching up on how behind, especially a lot of media or, or marketing companies were, you know, and on Vine, I was making branded content for people like Pepsi and, and Bud Light and, and a lot of major brands. And so I, I would meet with a marketing agency or, or apply to be a social media intern, kind of like, well, at least I can get this, be a nice uh, backup plan or something. And I was getting these no's and I was trying to tell them like, I've clearly I figured something out on how to like capture people online. I, how is this not valuable to you? And I think people just, uh, it, it was such a new thing. People didn't even know what to think of it. And, uh, and in hindsight, glad I got those no's, but that was definitely a very frustrating experience for like, how else do I prove that I am good at social media? I don't know. I'm curious when I find the stuff that I create that is most effective is the stuff that I almost create only for me like a really personal note to me that I send online and then it blows up. When I try to create something that I want to blow up, something that I want to go viral, it's never once happened, not once. You have gone viral repeatedly, you've built a huge following. Is it because you know it works for the masses or is it because you have a heart that you create stuff for you that connects to those of us longing for it in, in the marketplace? That's a great question, I think. It's a combination now, you know, at this point or early on, for sure, it was like, I just want to try to create something really creative that, that I'm really proud of. And I know I'm proud of it when I like 
I've completed a video editor and I'm excited to upload it. I'm like, I, I'm excited for people to see this because I'm proud of this. And you know, there's phases throughout all of this. I remember I, I had a several month phase where I just felt like I was making content I wasn't proud of and I, I wasn't enjoying purely just try to capture some eyeballs or, or get some likes. And it's been important for me to, to uh, I make a lot of videos where I know when I upload it, it might not perform as well, right. but I'm proud of it. And I think, and I think the, the more engaged fan base appreciates um, the quality of some of the videos I make, even though I know maybe this isn't a viral hit. Being at this point, being a little more of like what I do for a living and a business, I have a, feel like I have a pretty good grasp on how videos will perform. So to your point, like I, I have to do a lot of it to keep it fun and keep it fulfilling for me. I want to make stuff I'm proud of, even when I don't know necessarily how it'll perform. Yeah, a, a lot of your videos, I mean, compared to Vine, they're they're epically long, like four minutes in length. But still, yeah. the old universe, four minutes is a pretty short video. How much work for you, whether it's thought, create, creative, writing, whiteboarding, actual video, editing, everything else, how much time goes into creating a four-minute video? Yeah, that it'll vary just based on what we do. Um, but I'd say for the pretty typical video, which is just like, yeah, three to four minutes of one-liner jokes on a topic or a character. Um, and I have a, a videographer who helps me also with, with some writing and ideating. And then we, we have another editor too, which helps a lot. But we, we're trying to put out um, on, a, on a normal basis, you know, six to eight videos a month. And I'd say each video from thinking of the idea, writing the joke, shooting, editing, is probably averages like a five, six hour type of commitment minimum. It seems just from, from a guy seeing you two-dimensionally on my screen, whether it's a laptop or my cell phone, that you have a ton of fun and so does your camera person while you're shooting the video. Is it as fun as it looks? It is, also it isn't, you know. Some days, um, not gonna lie, some days you're like, you know, it's just a lot of energy to to throw on a character and each joke you're seeing is probably done a few takes. We're running around 95% of the time. I'm, I, we're having a good time. I'm lucky to have a great uh, kind of team around me with the videographer. We drive well and he's a funny dude and all the people I work with, I really enjoy. So yeah, I'm, we are having fun, especially on those days where you have those ideas you're really excited about and you can't wait to shoot and edit and upload it. There, there are those days too, where I, I think, you know, man, I'm just kind of worn out and I don't have the, I can't just kind of sit at a desk and get through the day. It's like, I got to throw on a robe and scream like a mom for a few hours. So get an extra <laughs> coffee that day. <laughs> and for those who uh, have no idea what you're referring to right now, why don't you explain what that means to scream like a mom sometimes? Yeah, I'd say my content is all, like I said, born and raised in Oklahoma, kind of Southern Midwest guy. No one knows where Oklahoma is, I guess. No one can decide if it's Southern or Midwest. It's, it is what it is. But I, you know, I grew up, like like any comedian, I just make jokes about my experiences. So I was I was raised to keep it clean, and my mom's very proud of that. So we're making clean comedy where anyone can enjoy, and I know a lot of people appreciate that, which um, means a lot to me. And I'm just making jokes about the everyday uh, kind of middle America life in a lot of ways. You know, just I'll have this mom character and joke about uh, I, I step into this mom role where I put on a robe and act like a mom, and I. I tell my kid to pay attention to a Zoom class. Just because you guys are home from school doesn't mean we're playing video games all day. You understand me? Okay, I have some extra jobs for you guys right here. Oh my gosh. Honestly, this is a good thing because we've been needing to do these things for a long time. These baseboards, 
Filthy. What are baseboards? Get over here. You were doing your times tables. Get over here. Oh, I already know them. Come do these. You know what? What's nine times seven? Sixty-nine. Young man, are you? How old? How old are you? Eleven and a half. It's nine thirty. This is getting a little ridiculous. We're not just gonna sleep all day because there's no school. You know, I, I do characters about dads and basic bros in the gym and uh, pyramid schemes, whatever. We're all kind of experiencing and finding the humor in it. Is is just everyday relatable stuff. Is kind of my niche. I'm a father of four. I have three boys and a girl. And if you ask me which which kid is my favorite, I of course would not be able to give you an answer because they all are. But I'm going yeah. to ask the same question of you, of the, of the children that you've helped create, these, these roles, the moms and the daughters, the sons, the bros in the gym, the millennials, the girls who love fall. They just love fall. Is, yeah. is there a favorite character that you've helped bring to life? Yeah, I think my favorite character to to write and perform is the basic white girl. I think I'm known for that a lot of ways. You say the girls, in the, yeah, we're in August and I'm starting to get DMs and messages. Girls like falls, falls here. When's the fall video coming? I'm like, you got these, these women are obsessed with fall. I'll never understand it. Oh, I love new seasons, weather and the bachelor. <laughs> I love that the trees remind us that sometimes change is good. Humpty Dumpty isn't the only one having a great fall. <laughs> Woo! Me and the leaves actually have a lot in common. <laughs> we're beautiful, we're always changing, and we love to drop it to the flow. If I was a Spice Girl, I'd be pumpkin spice. These trees remind me of my exes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tall, strong, and right before Christmas, he leaves. <laughs> oh, Autumn? I'm automatically going to start. Do less, God bless. Pumpkin spice obsessed. <laughs> Courtney's coming? Mm. No, this time of year's perfect for her, because she's a witch. Ugh. I don't know, like I said, I, I grew up so much around those types of girls in the best way. They're all in sororities and we're from the South and they love their handbags. I don't even know, but I just, uh, that's a fun character to, to throw on. Humor demands that you be a bit edgy. You said I'm clean. That's true. You're absolutely clean, yeah. but there is edge, man, in every one of these videos. I think it's great. We live, as you may have heard, in a bit of a cancel culture. And if you go too far one way or another, or you offend anybody by making fun of lattes, dude, you're done. You've offended every barista out there right now by making fun of lattes. So how do you determine on the writing side and then on the video side and then by the final post-production side, what is going to make it online and what you're going to just keep on the floor for safety's sake? This year, obviously more than ever, has just been combo of, obviously this year's just very polarizing with everything happening and, and comedy is just joking on what's happening. So we're kind of like forced in this corner, like we kind of have to talk about what's happening, but I, I kind of make a point to where you come to my channel or my content, I'm not hitting you with politics or my view of politics. I'm, I want to be a reprieve from that. So it's, that's been a weird thing to navigate. And uh, so we, you know, and you mentioned that edge initially, you know, doing the WAP and cleaning the kitchen was kind of my content. Like that's definitely not offending anybody. It's just kind of slapstick stuff. And I, think what turned this into more of a career for me when I kind of had the epiphany of, oh, I can kind of make fun of some people and, and give a hot take here. And it's still, you know, maybe it'll, it'll offend 1%, but I, I hope 99% can watch it and be like, oh, that's so me, or I know someone like that. And I think it's funny. And cause I'm not trying to do the shock value thing in any way, but every time we shoot something, there's always, there's almost always a one or two jokes that I'm like, iffy on and I show it you know a couple guys I work with we show it to and a, a really valuable thing has been my wife to have kind of a female eye watch it and she's pretty perceptive and she's like oh 
I don't know about that one. I was like, yeah, I kind of agree. And every now and then there's a joke or two. We kind of say, let's just leave that out. Maybe it's not worth it. Um, but that, that has been, especially this year, kind of for the first time, really having to be, keep an eye on, on certain jokes and make sure we're um, keeping everyone happy because that's mainly my goal. No, that was my next question. You mentioned what you don't want to be. You don't want to be a political space. You don't want to be a, a place that creates even greater divisions in our society. So that's what you don't want to do. What, what is it that you hope to do? What, what do you hope these videos bring into my life, my wife's life, our listeners' lives? Thank you for asking that. I, yeah, I think this year has made me stare that more in the face of like, what, where am I trying to head? And, uh, you know, I am what you see online, at least to a degree, like I'm just kind of the funny guy. I'm not into politics. I'm not, you shouldn't, I have no like qualification to tell you anything about politics. I've only been good at making people laugh my whole life. And so that's what I'm trying to do. And uh, especially this year, I'm tired of it. It's like every time I turn on my phone, it's something else about this or that. So now I, I've kind of made a point and to, to speak up and say like, hey, come come to this podcast, come to my channel, come to my shows. I, I will not say a word about politics or, or PC culture or cancel. Like I don't want to yeah. go down that road. I want to be reprieved from that. I want to be, uh, you know, I, I think there's, places where comedians need to be in that space. They need to kind of shed light on more intense subjects with some humor, but that's, I don't think that's why I'm here. I'm here to just kind of give you something really lighthearted and, and kind of like an escape from the stresses of life. And it's just goofy and fun and, and simple in a lot of ways. So our, our brand is live inspired and, and to a degree, I feel as if I am the brand ambassador, like I, I'm, I better always be living that man on every flight, every time I check into a hotel, when I'm on a stage and when I'm off a stage, when I'm speaking to an executive or a gentleman sweeping the floors out at the end of an event, like I, I better be authentic 24 seven. That's me. You, you are a comedian. You've finally been able to embrace that. You do much of your work online, but, but is it hard to be that person all the time? I, I recognize when the front door shuts, you can be who you are with your wife, but when you're in the community, when you're out with your friends, when you're traveling for your events, is it hard to be who people expect you to be? You know, there's still some shyness in me. I'm fairly reserved around people I first meet. Um, that's going away more and more as I just gain more confidence and I'm out in the forefront more. But I, I kind of made a point years ago too, where I, I didn't want to create an online brand or persona for like a better term that I really wasn't. I, you know, I was like the, the jokes you're hearing me say and the things I'm doing online, like I really believe those things, really mean those things. I think there are some people out there who portray one thing online and they're, that's not really who they are. And that you're just going to drive yourself crazy or set yourself up for failure. So I, what you see online is, is not me, right? I'm kind of putting on a show, but it is a part of me. And I hope that if any fans approach me out, out in public or, or wherever that they, they can kind of say like, yeah, that, that was Trey. It kind of seemed like who we thought it'd be. And he was a nice guy and a funny guy and, you, you whisper occasionally about your faith, and I know you, one of your favorite verses is John 3.30. 3.30, sure. Tell, tell me and our audience what John 3.30 is, and then, and then why, why is that one of your favorite verses? That one caught me years ago. He must increase, I must decrease, speaking of God. I think it was just as I was blowing up online, it felt like a perfect verse for kind of, you know, I, it's easy to, for any of us in any position, to, to you know, always think of ourselves and I, it's easy for me to post a video or a podcast and, and hope like, I hope everyone thinks Trey's awesome. And I try to always recenter to like, 
I hope that someone out there was just like, got some entertainment today that needed it. It's easy to fall into the former and, and then the latter, I'll, I'll come back to the latter and I'll just see the a message. People are so kind. They take the time to type out like, just this year's been tough. Thank you for your videos. And that's like, that's what I want to focus on. Uh, not the people who don't think I'm funny, not the, when this or that doesn't perform as well. Uh, I want it to be less of like Trey's awesome and hopefully more of just, we were grateful for, the, for like his entertainment. And as long as like a few people, whether it's, yeah, a few or millions, as long as some people are getting some out of this, like that's what I want my focus to be on. So you're now shooting online commercials. The, the brand is growing. The impact is growing. The following is growing, which usually means the work is growing. Like you just got to do more and more and more. And, and yet one of your sign offs is do less and God bless. Mm -hmm. Talk about being authentic in who you are growing this impact, not just brand, but I, I believe it's, I believe it's positively impacting people who watch these videos. It's getting us to chill out a little bit and recognize our, in our own uh, insecurities and weaknesses in these characters that you portray online. But for you to do that effectively and for you to grow that frequently, it means you got to work harder at the craft, but you tell us, and I'm assuming you tell yourself from time to time, do less, do less. God yeah. What does that mean? I, I say this on my podcast and stuff like I am who I'm making fun of. I, I can acknowledge, um, you know, I make fun of a, uh, like white people culture, how we love to play Frisbee and drink kombucha or something. Uh, but I also love to do those things. So it's like, I'm, I get it. I make it fun of myself. I make it fun of y'all. I make fun of everyone. And the, the do less God bless phrase kind of just sprung up from uh, a lot of what I talk about is this growing culture, especially with online where everyone wants attention and you'll see, you know, uh, you know, someone did a gender reveal where they rented a plane and it like dropped pink powder out of the sky. It's like, well, maybe do less next time. You know, we, we, we could all maybe do a little bit less. I can certainly do less as well, but I, uh, yeah, I try to always strive to, to, to better my content and, and give people more. But um, for the first time in the past year or so, I've, I've been in a position where I had to start learning how to say no to things. You know, early on, I was just in my apartment with a phone. I, there were no no's in my vocabulary. It's like I needed to, to find some more stuff to do. Um, so I'm grateful that I'm in that position now. And so I'm uh, learning how to do that. And I feel pretty good about where, where I'm kind of a, a allocating my time. And, you know, it, it's obviously easier in the pandemic when so much of that was canceled. Uh, we love to see how that all pans out when I'm on the road a lot. But uh, yeah. as of now, you know, I'm very happy with, with my balance of life and, and doing less. Doing less almost always requires intentionality. How do you intentionally put the phone down? What, what's the process you use? Because I think the same thing you wrestle with is something every one of our listeners are wrestling with in their own life. If, if we wanted, we could be connected to that phone online all day long and completely fried by the end of the day. You know, so much of the initial growth of my platform was, was so rooted in like, not money in any way. It was just kind of this, this rush of like, I want to hit the, the magic 1 million. I'm on Instagram. I've got 300, 400, 500,000. I got to get that million. How do I grow it? And I was constantly on it. And now, um, now I try to focus more on just, like I said, making content I feel like I'm proud of and quality. I upload it. I pay attention for the first 15 minutes. And then I kind of go work on something else or do something else. And there was definitely a, a time in my life a couple of years ago where, you know, the first year or so, it, it was just constant growth and light. And you, you don't really address how much you're investing in that when it's all good until it levels right. out or, 
or goes the other way. And I kind of stared that in the face a couple of years ago and I had to reorient my priorities and my perception and kind of say, oh, I'll upload a video today. That's kind of not getting any views. And now I can do that and just take it purely as objective and something to learn from and not like it's not a part of me failing. It's just a work I did that's failing. Um, people aren't like, like disapproving of me. There's disapproving of that piece of content. I just got to do better next time. And it's more of a, I can, I can compartmentalize that better now and it feels healthier. And yeah, in a way it's like, I've come so far and it feels, you know, I just try to post this content and move on that I'm, I'm on it less than most of my friends shockingly. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not in the everyday, like I don't, I follow some friends, but I'm not really on it looking at what they're posting. I'm just purely on Instagram trying to entertain my, my audience. And then I kind of get off. And so I've tried to always work on that. I make a point to not work quote unquote on the weekends. I, I don't really, if you're following me, I rarely post on a Saturday or Sunday. I kind of just do my thing on the weekends. And then uh, I don't take my phone into my bedroom. So I don't wake up and go to bed with it. Try to do little things like that. Uh, that I'm sure so many of us all try to do because it's, it's so easy to just pick up this brick in our pockets and space out. I like how you're calling that, man, about brick in your pockets. So let's talk about something you do go to bed and wake up next to. It's Katie. Where did you, where did you meet your wife? Instagram, of all places, very on brand. She didn't know who the heck I was. Some way, somehow we got connected and, and grabbed dinner. And it was just kind of one of those perfect night one dates. And we just kind of dated ever since then and got married a few months ago. So what, what is it about Katie that, that you just fell head over heels with and you, uh, you recognize that she's the one man. She's my opposite in almost every way, which is super helpful for me. I'm, uh, like I said, you, you kind of see it online. I'm blunt and in your face and high energy and never want to stop. And she's quiet and listens and slows me down and, you know, takes a nap. So I've been taking a nap since I was four, you know what I mean? So she's, uh, so she's um, I think everyone can around me agrees, like she's made me a better person and I, I kind of just slow down and prioritize slowing down, spending time with her, spending time with friends and not, uh, you know, being on the phone all the time or being or working all the time or whatever it is. So man, you, you mentioned you got married in May. It's a perfect time to get married in the midst of a global yeah. pandemic and global recession. What was the plan for the wedding and what ended up being the reality? She picked a venue in Texas. You know, of course, she cared a lot more about the details than I did. So she was really happy with the whole plan. We're going to have several hundred people there. And uh, yeah, that was a bummer when we had to pull the plug on that. We were, yeah, we were at that set for May, pulled the plug on that in like late March, early April, pushed it to Labor Day. And we've since pushed it to just like next summer. Wedding planning was no fun. I'm, I'm going to, I'm in a perpetual wedding planning mode dude we were in a word because we had to we have to post this postpone this wedding but now we got to schedule like a small new wedding which we had you know like 15 people at given all the guidelines in may which was amazing we had a a wonderful time but we still want to do the originally planned big party with everyone next summer so it's we're going on a little it'll be like 15 months of in wedding planning mode before we finally get this thing done but uh I sense a comedic video coming on from you, man. I, I hope your uh, your creative juices are flowing right now. Oh, totally. Yeah, we couples in quarantine was one of my favorites. I made that um, people really resonated with, and it's funny if you if you go watch couples in quarantine on my YouTube or Facebook, you'll see uh, several of those jokes came from actual real life. Like when we uh, 
were blessing a meal before dinner and we started arguing mid prayer. All right, I'll say grace, dear God, thank you um, to nourish our bodies and uh, babe, yeah, babe, like, what? I can't understand you. Literally interrupting me praying? Well, you mumble sometimes. I'm not mumbling. You need to listen. Oh my gosh, you need to talk where I can understand you. Hey, excuse us, God, really quick. Sorry about it. Hey, I set us up by FaceTime with my family tonight, okay? Again? Yes, another one. You don't want to talk to my family? Oh, no, that's not... It, we just done it every night. I don't... So, like, our future family, are you not going to want to talk to them? Or... Oh, my gosh. Here we go. Have you ever noticed you do this, like, thing? What? It's like where you... You do this thing where you go... <sighs> Breathing? It's just the way you're doing it. It's a little annoying. But we... <laughs> it's all exaggerated. We really, uh... Quarantine that was good to us. I know all quarantine probably was was straining a lot of relationships, but just kind of proved that we were in a good space. So it, it was kind of, a, in a way, fun, because I was supposed to be on the road every weekend from March, April, May, and, you know, we, uh, we've we just been literally together 24-7 for, for months. And so that's been a fun way to start marriage. Man, so many people right now and over the last six months have been completely physically and relationally isolated. They're on, They're on their own. Many of us now are struggling because we're between jobs. We're between opportunities financially. Uh, many of us have had big dreams, whether it's a vacation or a wedding canceled. Uh, the protests, riots, COVID, political disarray and divisions, all this stuff is going on around us. And then in steps the comedian with a little bit of levity, a little bit of hope, a little bit of joy in our lives. Is there a comment, a post, a handwritten note that you've received from someone lately that you're like, man, Listen, I get paid to do this work, but here's why I do what I do. Is there something inspirational lately that you've received that uh, it's just fuel for you to keep going? Absolutely. Like um, when I mentioned those moments where I kind of am drawn back, yeah, maybe I'm over here like, oh, I need more views or likes and I'm getting caught up here. And then it brings me back where uh, this year more than ever, I've seen a lot of comments, emails, messages of people just kind of saying, like, seriously, thank you for this for your content, like this has been a hard year. I got laid off, like I haven't laughed in a while, this or that is happening. Um, we, we did a live stream show kind of in response to all this because we can't hit the road. So people could tune into this live stream and seeing all the people sharing their photos, like this is the first quote unquote date night me and my wife have had. And since all of this, like we really needed this laugh. Thank you, this is the first time we've laughed in a long time. It's been hard, like those are, uh, yeah, those make me feel very privileged and undeserving what I'm doing mm -hmm. uh, when uh, deep down I can tend to feel maybe entitled to it. Those bring me back to like, man, I just, I've got a good situation. I, let me just try to share the gifts I have to uh, hopefully make other situations a little brighter. You have made our situations brighter and uh, you made me cool for the first time in a long, long time with my wife and children. So I, I really appreciate you joining us on the show. And, and Trey, there are seven questions we utilize at the end of every show that tie all of our guests together. So here we go. These seven are for Trey Kennedy. The first, Trey, is what is the best book you've ever read? Ooh, great question. Being a believer, my favorite book that I've read several times is uh, by Brennan Manning titled Abba's Child. Talk about that. Uh, Abba is, is another name for for god and how you're god's child and he loves you and is pursuing you and we all especially me i tend to think down on myself i'm not good enough this is gonna work and that book really just kind of speaks to 
you know, what I believe there's a God that um, thinks very highly of you and loves you and likes you. And uh, so I try to read that once a year. Awesome. What, what is one positive characteristic or one trait that you possessed as a little boy in Edmond, Oklahoma, growing up that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly today? Just uh, as a kid in the, in the privacy of my own home and with friends, I was just the goofiest, most go happy-go-lucky kid. I think that's still in there. But um, to go back to that uh, stressless joy that I, I can find sometimes, but to, to always exhibit would be, would be something to work towards. Freedom. That's awesome. Yeah. If your home caught fire and Katie's out safe and any animals you may have are out safely on the sidewalk and you have an opportunity to run in and grab one item that really matters to you, what's the one thing that you would come racing back outside with? I, I'm the least sentimental person. I just, I throw away anything. I don't care. But the only thing, my mother, when I turned 18 and headed to college, she gifted me a couple of journals where over the course of my 18 years, she had every few weeks, every couple of months had written something in there uh, for 18 years and they gave it to me when I was 18. So I'd go get those. Man, that's so good. Yeah. I found a journal I was keeping for my daughter, Grace, and the last entry for her was uh, 2013. Like, she's like three days old, and I'm like, I got to get back into tracking her life and celebrating this little girl so she recognizes the beauty that she is and was. I think Mm -hmm. it is a profound gift. It is, and it takes a certain person to do that. You obviously be a loving person, but she's also like, the most obnoxiously organized person ever. So I don't know how many people could do that. I, I'm sure I'll try. And like you said, you look, so it's been four years. I, well, missed that part. We'll get back to it. Okay, if you if you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach or mountains, depending on which one you want to be seated in front of and have a long conversation with anybody living or dead, who would you love to be seated right next to? A lot of things come to mind. I, uh, I think professionally, Steve Martin, I've read his memoir lately and, he was a legend. I'm sure you remember him fondly. He was, he was kind of before my time when he was doing his thing, but I'd love to. I read up a lot on him. And then uh, more relationally. Is that uh, a knock right there against my age, or was that just kind of an underhanded? Yeah, there you go. Sorry. The, to you, your audience. Sorry. You guys all know Steve Martin. I'm too young. And <laughs> remember, but I can read about it. <laughs> no, I know he's a legend, and that'd be great. And then relationally, um, probably something more like, I guess Brennan Manning would be great, I think. I believe he's passed, but that offer I mentioned in book one, that'd be kind of special to talk to him about. What's the best advice you've ever received? What's popping into my head, nothing overly profound, but my father repeatedly told me growing up, it's just do your best and have fun. I know a lot of us have probably heard that, but that's what I'm trying to do and focus less on being the best, but um, always give your best effort using your talents and, and try to have fun. As a junior at Oklahoma State University, what advice would you give yourself? So what, what, what wisdom would you share with that 20-year-old version of you? Believe in yourself. Um, be confident. Because uh, at that time, being big on the internet and making these videos wasn't a cool thing. You know, now it's kind of like people are like, trailers take a selfie. But back then, I was, uh, for lack of a better term, getting bullied by everyone around me. Kind of yeah. like, what this guy in his college dorm making videos to get alive? But no one knew. No one knew I was um, able to make some money off that. No one knew uh, that I was having fun and trying to, and maybe had a, a, a grander plan 
Trey Kennedy, it has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? Wow, man. I'm going to be thinking all day long. I, uh, something like he was a guy who, uh, who didn't seek his own glory, but to just, he just wanted to provide joy to those around him without puffing himself up too much. That wasn't articulate, but was perfect. that makes sense. Trey Kennedy did not seek uh, success, and fame, and followers for his own ego, but did so instead to share joy, life, and possibility with those who are tuning in. Man, I want to I thank you for lightening the mood during such a difficult, dark, challenging, divisive time for all of us. It, I, I, I think your videos are beautiful. I think your heart is awesome. And I think your work, it's just starting, man. So uh, I want to thank you for spending part of your day with us and part of the inspiration with our followers. Well, thank you, man. It means a lot to have me. It was a great combo. Appreciate it. My friends, that is Trey Kennedy. I am John O'Leary, and today is your day. Live inspired. And now, a word from our friends at Keeley Companies. Keeley Companies builds communities with the power of one. Six distinct brands come together as one single source for construction, infrastructure, technology, wireless, logistics, and development solutions. Their true differentiator is building people within communities through their world-class culture focused on safety, education, community service, wellness, and inclusion, all using their unique strategic process to achieve results on purpose, lovingly called the Keeley Way. Keeley Companies is beyond proud to sponsor the Live Inspired podcast and aligns with a vision of making the world a better place.